Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Invested Dads Podcast, the podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. Today, we are joined by Mariusz Skonietsky, who is an expert in micro cap stocks. So this is super exciting that we have another guest here on the podcast with us. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, micro cap. Now, as a kid, I played with micro machines. So I don't know if that has anything to do with what you're going to talk about today, <laughs> but I am somewhat of an expert on that, but not micro cap stocks. Ah. So we have a lot to talk about, Josh, it seems like. apparently. So let's ask the expert. So thanks for joining our show. Like we said, again, we're excited to have you. Looking forward to educating our listeners on an area of the market they might not be super familiar with. So Mariusz, if you would not mind just briefly introducing yourself, where you're from, and what you do currently. Yeah, thank thank you, guys. Uh, So I'm originally from Poland. I grew up there, spent my first 16 years. In Poland, and then after my first year of high school, I came to the United States, finished high school, obviously, and then I went to get a degree in finance. And pretty much, so that was 2003. Uh, originally, I entered the investing side on the real estate side because mm-hmm. I, I was I was interested in real estate. That's when I read the Poor Dead, Rich Dead books right. uh, in yep. the early 2000s, and and I became a real estate appraiser. Uh, both on the residential and on the commercial side. And then I, w- I became a broker selling apartments in the Midwest with a team. But, but during this entire time, I was studying uh, stocks. I was reading everything I could on Warren Buffett. And then when the financial crisis came 2008, 2009, literally on December 31st, 2008, I said, I'm quitting. I'm going full-time into stocks. And that's when I had 10,000 to my name and over... The 12 years since I quit, I turned that into 7 million, focusing strictly on microcap stocks, which by definition, microcap stocks are companies that have a market capitalizations or equity value of less than 100 million. And I focus on that sector for one and one only reason. It's most people don't know this sector exists, so I have very, very little competition. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about that, these are publicly traded companies. So that's how you're able to invest in them, but they're the smaller size. So when you're talking about under 100 million in in market cap, a reference point would be Austin. What Apple traded above a trillion dollar market two, cap, two trillion, two trillion recently. Yeah. So you so know that's one much smaller extreme end of that piece. So you're talking smaller companies. Sometimes they're startup or earlier into their life of being a publicly traded company, but like you said, there's less players in there. So it gave you the ability to find some opportunities. Now, was there an overlap? Did you for a while trade in like small homes while you're a realtor and then moved into microcap companies? Or was there this always fascination with the kind of niche side of things? Like you talked about real estate and rentals. Were you always looking for an opportunity where not a lot of people were? Or what drew you into the smaller side? Well, when I was in real estate, I noticed that I just didn't have the passion for the industry. I, I treated real estate as just uh, one type of a business. And mm-hmm. I was fascinated with understanding how businesses operate, what makes a business good or bad, average. 
And I just didn't feel like real estate was a great business. So mm -hmm. I didn't have the passion for, for it. So that's why I left. And so uh, the, the, one comment stuck to me why I focused on microcap stocks is because I, I remember years ago, Warren Buffett was asked at a Berkshire Hathaway meeting what he would do if he was graduating college and had 10,000 to his name, how he would allocate this money. And he said that he would focus on smaller, obscure companies. Uh, because the investment industry is not set up to uh, to be competing in that space. Mm -hmm. And as a result of this, the probability of mispricing is the greatest. Notice that I said probability, because just because you go into that space doesn't mean you're going to be successful. I would say 80 to 90% of the companies that are small and are trading on those microcap exchanges, I wouldn't touch. So I just focus on the 10 to 20% which are real companies that have mm -hmm. real customers, real businesses, real solutions. I don't focus on the promises. We're going to find cancer. We're going to find gold. We're going to change life. We're going to make everything wonderful. No, I don't focus on promises. I focus on money. And you're right. Some of these companies are startups. Usually I don't focus on startups, but I, uh, because of their size, they are usually at the beginning stages that, that they're far away from being mature. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, I want to make sure that they have clients. I want to make sure that they have revenues uh, because that's important to me. Yep. Yeah, that actually brings up a great question. So obviously, in my job, I'm doing a lot of evaluating of large cap US stocks. Like there's information galore for these stocks. There's analyst recommendations and reports and the financial statements are super easy to find and all in, they're all easy. Everything's easy to find and locate and analyze for stuff like large cap US stocks. When you get down even to small caps, it's a little bit harder to find good coverage. And micro caps, like you said, pretty much not covered at all. So how do you go about analyzing a micro cap company? Well, uh, first of all, uh, after I find it. So let's say I usually focus on three exchanges, OTC, which is over the market, mm -hmm. Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, TSXV, and then Canadian Stock Exchange. I will go through every company on the exchange. Like the Canadian Stock Exchange, for example, has 800 companies. I went through every single one. Toronto Stock Exchange, I think, has like 3,000. I went through every single one. And because because I do, I'm not interested in 80 to 90 percent of them, it's quickly to it's very quick to eliminate them. If yeah, you right. know if they're, if they're pharma or cannabis, like no revenues, no thank you. Next, mm -hmm. and I already know what I want. I already know what businesses I want. I want good businesses. I I, I don't go to the microcap space to find average businesses. I, I can do that on Nasdaq. You know, like mm -hmm. I don't need to go. Uh, so then once I find the ones that I like, so for example, if I can see that they have some recurring revenues or they have nice margins or or something special about the product, like maybe the clients have switching costs. It's tough to switch from one provider to another, or maybe their uh, so software service is so ingrained in the client's operations that like it's like it's like oxygen that it's hard for them to switch. So once I find those characteristics, then I usually get on get on the phone and I call the customers. Uh, I call the customers. I, uh, I want to hear it from the customers. Like, what is it that you like about this product? Why are you using this product versus the competitor? Is it hard to switch for you? How does it compare to the, the other product? Then I'll get on the phone and I will research uh, employees and current employees. So I'll go to LinkedIn and I'll find out who works there, see if I can contact them. Who used to work there? Those are the best ones because they'll tell you all the dirt that you need to mm -hmm. know on the CEO right. and what's wrong with the company. Um, and 
And, and, you know, and it's not like I'm looking for a perfect company. There, there's no such a thing, but I, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. Then I'll get on the phone, see if I can talk to maybe suppliers or, 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 or um, directors, former directors. I want to know the whole story. And then once I do this kind of work, then I, then I know what I'm getting myself into. Uh, but as you as you pointed out, there's very little research on these companies because they're so small and uh, financial analysts or financial advisors or hedge funds, they can't really touch them because they're too small for them. They need to look for the big wells because the, the financial industry is driven by assets under management. Right. Uh, so, so my efforts, my research efforts uh, actually can give me an informational advantage. My efforts are worth it. It doesn't do me any good to do this kind of work on Tesla. Like everybody knows about Tesla. Everybody is scrutinizing everything about it. So I'm just wasting my time most of the time. Uh, it's not going to generate alpha. But if I go into these smaller companies where 99% of US investors don't even realize that these exchanges exist, uh, they, uh, hedge funds, uh, mutual funds, and financial advisors can't really go there. So, so, so like when I can get on the phone with the CEO or and and do this kind of work now it's like now it's worth it now i can discover things way before uh, way before the financial industry discovers them i can discover i i can predict revenues way before they show up and computers can find them yeah and with that you mentioned a couple of different exchanges do you see a lot of turnover of companies on those exchanges is there a lot more new companies popping up that you have to continue be screening through and looking for um, I don't really pay attention too much to the turnover because when I get those companies, I stay with them for years, okay. five, five, three, three to five, three to seven years. And so I don't have to always look for opportunities because some people ask me like, well, do you, what, what does your day look like? My day look, looks like I sit on my butt all day long and I do nothing because what am I going to do? Like if it's going to take me three years or seven years to to, to experience a five or 20 X my money. Mm -hmm. Like what's the point of continually finding new opportunities? So once I have my, you know, 10 or 15 positions that I have, it's usually just monitoring them. And mm -hmm. of course I always look, but I can, I can find you a great investment opportunity every week, but what good does it do to you? If you keep jumping from one to another, it, it's not that hard to find a 10 beggar, in microcap space, the hardest part is to sit on your butt and actually experience that 10 bagger. That's the hardest part yep. because we get stimulated all the time. It's, you know, Ukraine and Russia. How do we trade? Uh, Fed is raising interest. How do we trade? Like this, there's, there's always so much stimulation that we always have to fight. Be like, no, sit, sit, mm -hmm. just, just stay with your companies. And Charlie Munger said that, that the toughest part for money managers is to do, is to sit and do nothing. That's, That's the right. hardest part. Yep. Yeah. And um, you mentioned a 10 bagger in, in our industry. That means it's gone up 10 times or 10x, uh, just so our listeners understand what that meant. And you're right. Is that So it's a buy and hold strategy from your perspective is you do all the due diligence, you find a good company you like and believe in, and then you invest in it and then let it do its job. That's do right. you have a high end? So it, it may start out as a micro cap, but if it grows, do you do you have like a top point where you say it's getting too big? Or if you like the company doing the research, it doesn't matter how big it grows to, you don't sell out because it's no longer a micro cap. Do you allow that to grow? Well, the ideal situation is to find a small company 
on those secondary exchanges, let them grow into something bigger and let them uplist to NASDAQ or New mm-hmm. York Stock Exchange. And then, of course, when they uplist to those exchanges, they get more exposure, more, more hedge funds can buy it, more institutions can buy it, more retailers can buy it. And hopefully you're, you know, you're, you're hoping that it will get repriced and it will get valued uh, correctly. And then you have to evaluate from that point of view. It's like, is this still you know, a good investment? Mm-hmm. Yes, but yeah. So obviously, the further down the market cap spectrum you get, the more volatile holdings typically get. So microcaps, notably a very volatile area of the market. How have you looked at this at this aspect that's unique to this part of the market in general? And how have you you know positioned portfolios for that? Or are you just like a? It doesn't matter. I know it's coming. I'm buckling up, and we're just gonna go. We're just doing it. The volatility is absolutely there because those companies are less known. So there's less people trading them. And consequently, there's less um, liquidity. Less liquidity means higher volatility. And higher volatility can be viewed as good or bad. Right. You know, most, most people don't want to touch it because it's so volatile. And I want to touch it because it's volatile and it keeps people away. So. Mm-hmm. Even like some people are like, well, you're talking about microcaps. Aren't you worried about the competition? No, no, because the competition is always going to stay away because it's so volatile and um, and it, volatility is important to them. Now, volatility usually increases with time as the company gets better. So I'm not too concerned about this, but this is the price you have to pay. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have situations where I'll buy something at 1 p.m., I'll go and take a nap and it's down 30% because John from North Carolina decided to unload his entire position while I was taking a nap mm-hmm. and now I'm down 30%. Uh, it's just uh, it's just the way it is. It's never going to be different. You just have to have stomach for volatility. So I so I what's the most important thing for me is to make sure that the business is sound. Because if the business is sound and it's good, great margins, um then I know it's going to come back. I, but if the business is not sound, they have lots of debt. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that all of them have to be profitable right, uh, right away because a lot of companies choose not to be profitable for the sake of growing. But I need to make sure that they have enough money in the bank. They don't. They're not going to go out of business. That's what I focus on. And volatility, it's um, it's just a distraction. But you'd be surprised, actually. Like right now with this Ukraine and Russia situation going on, and everything is going up and down like a yo-yo. Many of my microcap companies have less volatility than the, than the big names because they have less impact from international exposure, probably. Yeah. yeah, and then you usually, usually the people that are in them, I would say, the people that go and seek out that space tend to be either crazy gamblers or very intelligent people, and the ones the the crazy gamblers usually go for the cannabis, mining stocks. But when it comes to like true businesses, it's usually very intelligent people, business businessmen that mm-hmm. own these stocks, and they tend to not panic too much during these times. You mentioned one thing while you were talking about if somebody decides to offload their position and it affects the stock price. That's the the volume of trading during the day. In microcap, there's probably a lower volume. Do you find that as an issue sometimes um, for you, especially as your assets have grown, that maybe when you enter a position do you care about the trading volume and how much your trade in or out would impact it? Is that part of no, your analysis? No, no. Okay. no, no. I mean, 
I just know that if I want to build a big position, like recently, I'm not going to uh, reveal the name, but recently I took a position in a company and I I own one percent of it mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And it took me it took me a week to acquire the position. I, I can't do it all in one day, and yeah. it will be the same if I need to sell it. I, I you know it, because if I dumped it all, I'm going to crash the stock price by a lot. But mm-hmm. I know better, so it w- it would take me a while. So that's why it's so important to do the proper research. Yeah, and, and right. to really be comfortable with the company. If if the exchange closes for five years, are you going to be okay holding mm-hmm. it? Yeah. If the business is good, I am. I, and if the business is bad, well, you have a problem. Yeah. So it so sounds like you, you really took Warren Buffett's concepts and said, okay, I want to apply that to this subsector of the stock market that there's not the big players aren't paying attention to. And I'm going to take the same idea of finding a well-run company. And you mentioned they don't even have to have profits, but probably what you're looking at is cash flow. If they're generating cash, but reinvesting it into the company, that's a good sign. They may not be showing profits and be kicking that out, but if they're they're showing that cash flow, you're excited about that um, for that yeah, size well, company. Uh, I, it's, it's the revenue. Mm-hmm. It's the revenue and gross profit what I want. Yep. Because after, after they generate gross profit, what do they do with these gross profit? Mm-hmm. And like if they... If they choose to show very little profitability, but that marketing expense is used to acquire more customers and then they're sticky and it just keeps growing yeah. and every January they don't start from scratch, then I'm like, I, I don't care. I actually prefer mm-hmm. you not to show any bottom line because I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. I know that at some point you're going to be profitable, but I would, what good does it do for you to pay out a dividend right now or anything like this if you can much better reinvest it to grow the right. company? Yep. So as we just talked about a little bit, the risks in terms of volatility is, is a lot higher in the microcap space than it is with large caps. So that may you know, turn people off of putting their entire nest egg into the microcap space because, hey, maybe they want a little bit more stability than that over time. So how might microcap investing specifically fit into a well-diversified average investor's portfolio? Yeah, I would say everybody has to make a decision on their own. And that's why I don't share publicly my investment portfolio with people mm-hmm. because my portfolio is all in microcap stocks and I don't want people to copy me. They Makes all have sense. different income levels, different ages, different risk appetite. I just, you know, when I share my investment ideas, I just share it and I, you know, people have to decide on their own how mm-hmm. much they want to diversify, how much they want to have in gold and large caps and this real estate or that. It's, it's really up to, their, yep. up to them. And you do share your ideas. Can you mention a couple of ways that listeners can follow or connect with you if they're really interested in your approach? So some ideas, a few ideas I share on my public YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the best way is just to take my impossible name to pronounce and just put it into YouTube and you'll find my YouTube channel. Yep. And then the uh, most of the ideas that I have are behind the paywall, which is at microcapexplosions.com. That's where you know I share the research and interviews with the CEOs and the, the stuff that I share on my YouTube channel. It's it's very much in length for mm-hmm. the for the companies that I choose. So I also do interview CEOs and like for example, uh, some of the the three companies that I have on my YouTube channel. I made like a ten video series on each company explaining mm-hmm. why I like it and why I think it's a good idea. Yeah. So we will we definitely, will link, for all the listeners, they'll be linked on our website. So anybody that is follows our blog and our podcast will be able to see that. 
Josh, any thoughts on how or on the question that we always ask? Yes. Should someone invest in microcaps? Yeah. I know where you're going with this, but we have to ask it. Yeah. And you said it exactly right. It really depends. And it depends on their risk appetite, their goals, and what they're trying to achieve. For someone who has the ability to stomach that extra volatility, that could be a space where if they're willing to put the work in, because you're right, it's a lot more of, of an effort to find those diamonds in the rough when you're looking at that space, because you know, you're know right, you have to really make sure you're happy with that company um, that you're investing in, which is true anywhere, but especially in the, the micro cap space, um, that the listeners really just need to decide... Is there a purpose for this in my portfolio? Does this help me achieve my financial goals? Absolutely. And Josh, I know it's a little later in the episode, but do you have a dad joke of the week? I do have a dad joke. So here it is, our dad joke of the week. And it's just really a a thought here. When I was told I was going deaf, that was really hard for me to hear. (laughs) So (laughs) that's our dad joke of the week. There you go. Good job, Josh. Well, Mariusz, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. We will definitely link your websites, both of your websites. We're going to link the, I have them both right here, Classic Value Investors and Microcap Explosions, as well as your YouTube channel on our post on our website and our social media so that our listeners can follow you. But thanks again for being part of our episode. This is a, a very unique opportunity that our listeners have to hear from someone Um, who is in a very niche corner of the stock market. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.